Well, hey guys, hope you're doing well. You're listening to the Timmy Riggs Podcast, Life in the Meantime, where the goal is to help build healthier whole lives so we can build a healthier whole world. Today I'm excited because I sat down with my brother. Uh, He lives in Florida, and we talked about a lot of different things. His name is Nate Riggs, and he was a special ops rescue diver in the Navy. He started in real estate in 2008, so a terrible time. He knew that's what he wanted to do, but he decided to join the Navy for a little while, went the uh, helicopter rescue swimmer route, did that for 10 years, and then recently, the last two years, uh, he has been running his real estate business. He now has it into a team of four, and he's doing amazing. And we uh, touch on the fact that we are truly both in the meantime of where we are in life and where we're going. And he gives some good insights, and uh, he's just someone that I talk to every day, multiple times a day. And so I figured I would record us having a conversation. And so without further ado, here you go. All right, so I'm here with my brother, uh, Nate Riggs, and we talk a lot. So this is the first thing I was thinking about, Nate, when I was thinking about like how to get started, because sometimes it's hard to figure out how to get started. Um you and I talked yesterday. We talked seven times on the phone. Okay. So for preference, I live in Oklahoma Nate lives in Florida where we grew up and we talk all the time. So people who are really close to me will be like, Oh my gosh, like you and your brother, you guys are so close. Like you talk every day. Like that's, that's really awesome. Like that's a really cool thing that you guys have. And I'm like, yeah, it is really cool. And I started thinking about it and, and I would tell people like, we're, we're super close. Like, but there was a time when we weren't. And when we were kids, I feel like we were closest kids, but we there's a five and a half year age difference. So like there's, you know, we just kind of were different in general, but like you were a good big brother. But when I went to college and you were in the <laughs> Navy, like we didn't talk at all. You remember? Uh, yeah, this is true. Uh, probably because I was in the Navy and you were in college in Oklahoma. But yeah, at two totally different spots, that was a... Uh, intense career I was a uh, path I was on and you were still trying to figure out yourself maybe a little bit um, yeah so we'll talk more about you being in the Navy in a second but so what uh, I want to give because my whole thing is about becoming healthier in a whole right and so one of the six components is like your relational health and so I think that what's important is when I look back to okay how did we get to this place how did we get to this place where on a daily basis like it's kind of not that random that we might have six phone calls like um and part of it was you went through your divorce okay well i spent a lot of time about that but mom would call me and be like hey you know nate's in a tough spot like and we've never talked about this like can you talk to him and i literally was like mom and i remember talking to my wife and being like i we don't have a relationship like i don't know you know like even when you came to my wedding you were kind of a jerk i don't know if you remember but you were like and I'm not trying to down you, but it was like you you were in a tough spot in your life. So you were like, you know, trying to make it all about you. And I was like, it's my wedding. Like, you know, and I even got mad at you because the marriage certificate you had to write really clearly. They told me like 10 times at the place, like, make sure the signature is uh is clear and, and it was the sloppiest signature. And the I, wa- I'm watching you sign it, and it's you're writing, you're just drawing circles. And I was like, <laughs> "What the heck?" And I'm literally screaming at you. Everyone's dancing, have a great time, and I'm yelling at you in this barn about how you just like it's ruined. Like now, it's pointless. We're gonna have to get a new one. You desecrated the day. 
But basically, yeah. it came to, yeah, me being willing, and I think you too, but just picking up the phone and being like, all right, hey, how's it going? And you're like, yeah, not awesome. I'm like, oh, great. But then we just slowly more and more, and we kind of just start sharing more about what we were doing and where we were at in our lives. And so, like, I just think that if there's someone out there that's like, yeah, I haven't talked to my sibling in five years or whatever, like, those first few yeah. phone calls are going to be tough and hard, but I think it's worth it. Now, to yeah, our definitely. benefit, there wasn't, like, a cause. Like, it's not like we had, like, a falling out. It was just that, like, we were living two separate lives. The age gap thing is definitely, like, um, like high schoolers generally don't, like, a senior in high school doesn't generally hang out with, like, a seventh grader. Yeah. And so yeah. you're just like, oh, okay. Um, no, we used to hang out though when we were kids. We had like the go kart and we went camping and we would do all that stuff. And uh, like, I would specifically remember a hilarious memory uh, where we were going down that slide at Alum Creek and you like pooped your pants or something. <laughs> had to ride your bike. Yeah, I was back. like, I was yeah. like eight. It wasn't like I was just like. <laughs> And remember, so, I'm like, we're like walking back to the camper and I'm like holding my butt, you know? <laughs> okay, no, do you know what it was? We're in the slide and for whatever reason, like you had gross feet, like gross shoes, everything. And I'm in the slide, like climbing up the slide and you're like throwing your shoes down. And for whatever reason, I thought it was hilarious. So I'm laughing so hard and I pooped myself <laughs> and, and I pooped my pants. And as we're walking back, I'm like holding my butt because I'm trying to hold it together. And someone was there and they were like, hey, are, are you okay? Like, did you fall down or something? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'll be okay. Like <laughs> bruise the tailbone. Yeah, so. probably. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. Man, these mic booms. Um, yeah. So in the okay, so the funny part about the like the divorce part, I guess, like I don't really have any uh, memory of that. I guess it's an intense amount. There are things I remember, obviously, but it's a very um, it's a weird time that like all that like you're saying that, and I'm like that's the first time I'm hearing that. I don't even remember it. So I literally uh, but, would remember like, and again, not to just make it all about that, but like you would call and you're just like screaming on the other end. So I'm just like holding my phone out, you know, and, probably. uh, but, but that's important. Like that. I just was willing to let you do that, you know? So, um, I yeah, guess I do win the best brother award. Uh, okay. Well, I only have one. So good thing. Um, well, yeah, so man, I want, let's talk about the whole Navy thing because that's cool. And basically even today talking a little bit about just like life transition because we're both kind of in the midst of that, you know, and talking about all the things we always talk about pretty much every day. But talk about what you did in the Navy and um, your roles and all that. Okay, so um, I, I uh, got to start. How, how did I end up in the Navy? So I ended up in the Navy a little bit older. Like a lot of people go right out of high school or school. I already kind of had, had a, uh, a life plan and, and knew what I wanted to do. Um, it's actually what I'm doing today, but you know, it was, I realized that I was like pretty young to start that out and the timing just wasn't right. And, um, so I kind of was like, okay, I need to get some life experience if I'm really going to be able to deliver a good product, which the product is myself and my knowledge in my industry. And so then I started looking at military stuff because I was like, okay. And I think the Navy had a thing like accelerate your career was like their slogan at the time even. So it was, it was based around that. Like, Hey, like just, it doesn't have to be a career thing. So I never intended the Navy to be a career. Um, but I was like, 
I guess if I would have went right out of high school, who knows what job I would have, but because I was a little bit older, I was a little bit wiser and I made a decision to sign up for, um, a rescue swimmer, air rescue swimmer. Uh, and I made that decision because I've always been into aviation and then growing up in Florida, like I was always swimming or on boats or then was like a lifeguard and taught swimming lessons. And it was like a natural progression to kind of marry the two. And I was like, there I wanted one of the hard jobs, one of the special program jobs. Um, some of them I was like, I don't know if I'm cut out for that, but aviation rescue swimmer, I was like, this is a guarantee that I will make it through this school. So pretty tough school, pretty tough uh, path to get there. But once you get there, it's pretty rewarding. So it's pretty cool. Um, and and then branch into other things like any job, though, it does become somewhat monotonous and i had to remind myself that like you know what like flying in helicopters and shooting 50 caliber machine guns out of the door and and search and rescue and all that stuff is a job that uh maybe a lot of other dudes would like to have so i tried to remember that and be grateful even though um i was i after a while i got pretty tired of the ground job side of it so there's a whole politics ground job uh, side of things uh, that go on as well, and and the the action bit, the like flight bit, and that is very small. Like so, for example, like our normal flights are scheduled for like three hours or something, and when you're at home and not on deployment or not out there, you're only doing maybe like two or three flights a week. So that's only like six to nine hours of flight time a week, but you're mixing in a full forty hour work week or more sometimes. And so you can imagine there's just a lot of like ground job stuff that you're not interested in. Um, so got back into real estate. I did work boat jobs talking about transition. That was like 2018 turned my real estate license back on and started working that. And I did both at the same time. And the reason I did both was because at this point I'm remarried and I have a house and I have kids and a car and all that stuff. So you can't just quit the military and go use your GI bill and go to college and, and do nothing. You're, you have to maintain. So I knew, so I, in a year and a half, I did boat jobs so that I could smoothly transition. And then in January, 2020, um, walked away from the Navy and was full-time into real estate. And, um, we're here today building a team and we've got four people on the team right now. Um, just, I guess this would be considered my third full-time year in real estate. So pretty Yeah, excited. that's good. So there's a couple of things that I want to touch on. So first of all, like, I think even when you look at us, so we have a sister too. So you're going to talk about age gaps. Like Stephanie is 13 years older than me. And so that makes her, you know, six or seven years older than you or something like that. Um, But I feel like in general, you know, sure. Like any family, we've had all types of ups and downs and stuff, but um, we, we've been lucky enough to be relatively close, you know, but one of the things that I think is interesting about us and then interesting about kind of the courses that we've taken in life, we have, aggressive personalities like we are kind of like aggressive people so you look at stephanie and like she's kind of been a uh she was an icu nurse for a while and like kind of always in like emergency situations and has always like found herself like remember that time she saved that lady from the pond and she was like the town hero like uh think about the stuff steph has done she was working at mcdonald's or something one time and there was a robbery remember that oh yeah we were kids they got like robbed at gunpoint and she was working at McDonald's and she's the one who like she, escaped yeah, booked it strategically out. and got to a gas station and strategically got like the cops called and stuff. So 
Yeah, that's um, pretty crazy. But then one time she's driving down the road. This old lady does three sixties her car all the way into a pond. Steph pulls over with all her kids in the van. And remember, she gets out and there's like a random guy walking, and she's like, "Watch my kids!" and like runs into the pond and like saves yeah. the lady. Like, rescue why wouldn't she lady. like go over there? Yeah, but then live you rescue gone, in the pond. Yeah, <laughs> right. You you went and you you know did the special ops rescue swimmer thing and like yeah like I mean you're really downplaying I think even some of the like the fact that you did that and made it and how difficult it was and like your training and like you had to do that whole like week or two week like POW training and like Maine and all that stuff Um, and all my friends are like really fascinated by like you and because like Hmm. you all send them videos of you shooting just like practicing shooting the machine gun out of the helicopter and stuff. And so they think that's awesome. So I, I kind of like lived through that a little bit. So I went a different course, obviously, where like I had a job that has a little bit more like gentleness to it, right? Like yeah. a little bit more where like you aggressive when it be the, the attribute that most pastors would like carry. And so I'm think figuring out, how to make sure I didn't lose myself. And that was really important to me uh, throughout like the process. I was a pastor for six years. I'm technically still a pastor, but like making sure to be like, no, no, no. Like I, I want to be me, you know, so I don't want to yeah. lose that. And so um, even like pe- my, some of my friends who follow you on social media and stuff are like, Nate is Timmy. If Timmy didn't choose his career track, like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I, I mean, we're still different human beings, but um, so talking about that kind of like our DNA makeup is that side of being a little bit more like, yeah, look, I want to put myself in situations that are a little bit more challenging. There, there's an aggressive amount of uh, call to service. That mm, would be that's good probably how I put it for each of us. So it's, we all live like a totally different life and have somewhat different personalities. Um, I'm the middle child. So obviously the best mix of all the personalities, uh, <laughs> of course, but um, yeah. So, but yeah, an aggressive call to service probably that we all answer. That's, that's really good. And I would say that's what you're doing now too. So you talked sure. about how your switch from, the Navy to real estate, one of the things that you did that I feel like I also did was, and that's where the, in the meantime stuff comes into play. Right. Cause we talk about it all the time. Cause we call and we tell each other, dude, we're crushing it. I'm excited. I'm going to share this win with you. And then yeah. we call when we're like, I just want to quit. I'm going to go get a job at Lowe's. Like, I don't, you know, like I just, yeah. why do I want, why do I constantly have to try and achieve like higher levels? Why can't I just be content? And so we basically just coach each other through that a lot, you know? Um, and because the bottom line is we know that if we went that way and if we just did things that were comfortable, then we wouldn't, that's not the way that we would get to contentment, right? Like it is the challenge that pulls us to it. Um, right. But I would say that's, I did the same thing, a similar thing in the sense that it came out of a different outlet. Like I started streakers window cleaning with my buddy because I just wanted to make some extra money to pay off my student debt. And I was figuring out other ways like real estate investing and was able to get a loan and buy a, you know, rental property. And then eventually sold that one as the market went up and was able to pay off all my student debt, which was huge. Um, But then just had this streakers window cleaning in the background and have had this pull 
and I feel like that's the way that I would describe a lot of things. Like when people are like, how do you know this is the direction? And it's like, how long have you felt the pull? If you felt the pull for one day, like if we talk and we're like, let's start, how many times do we bring up business ideas? Like crazy ideas. And the next day they're, we are like, yeah, that we're not going to do that. Right. But if it's something yeah. that keeps pulling you in that direction for a long time, three months, six months, nine months, a year, like, I think that's when you can be like, okay, I think there's a reason that's there. And so, um, not to even keep going on about it, but like, I remember it was basically a year and a half decision for me of like, Hey, do I jump from the church? I love the church. I love my job. I love the people that I work with, but I'm feeling pulled into this another direction. And I don't necessarily know what it looks like. And I had a lot of really great mentors that I talked with over that year and a half. And literally they were like, Hey man, you're still thinking about it. You're still talking about it. I think you know what the answer is. And I mean, even you and I had that same kind of conversation. And yeah. so, um, I think that background building, building something in the background, because like Streaker's window cleaning, we've talked about it a lot. I don't know if it's the thing or it's just the thing that leads to the thing. I know that this and continuing to want to help people build healthier whole lives through speaking, coaching, all that kind of stuff. That's like my passion project. And Streaker's kind of pays the bills right now. Yeah. Um, it is important to kind of take time because a lot. it's easy to, especially us, we're very – um, I think we were talking about it the other day where even like, like Shauna, my wife is very good at like, I'll just like be shouting ideas and thoughts and let's do this and we're going to do this. And she has learned enough to just be like, oh, okay. Where like her personality is more um, like cautious or like safe. And that's how she was raised. And that's a household she was raised in. And, and ours was I don't know what it was uh, like genetic or the fact that we kind of moved often or, you know, dad was like such a starter and like a visionary that it kind of instilled that in us. But we kind of have a uh, riskier. And, and I say that a lot. I feel like I, lo I feel like a lot of what I do, um, even in real estate, is it's almost like kind of a game or kind of gambling. And, and I don't mean that to be insensitive because there's a lot of people um, that trust us for their services that are. Um, I don't want them to think like, yeah, like your, their money or their finances are important. But what I mean by that is there's no definitive answers. Like people are like, well, how much can my house sell for? Or how much can we get? And the answer is like, well, I don't know. I can tell you what the house did sell for. I can tell you, um, what these ones are. And if, and historically, if we do this, then this may happen, but I can't promise it or I can't guarantee it. It's not like a painter that's like, you pay me this much and I paint your house this color and that's a finite answer. Ours is just, it's no different than going to play um, poker or roulette in Vegas. And sometimes I feel that way. And I've said that if I was better at poker than I am real estate, I'd probably just be in Vegas playing poker and doing the same thing. But I'm good at real estate um, and have a passion. I think I'm good at it because it's what I want to do. A lot of people get into different industries and jobs, uh, real estate particular, because they think, A, it's easy money, which it's not. They find that out. And B, um, they don't know what else to do with their life and having some midlife crisis or something. But for me, you know, I think one of the secrets to my success is that I actually have a passion for it. Um, and does that mean always being a real estate agent? Maybe not. It could be owning our own investment properties or owning a different company or growing, but right now we're just building this team. Um, and so uh, basically on, on some core values and the core values are that uh, we're consistent, 
and we have integrity and that we genuinely love people. Um, and really it's just built on that. And so it's still service minded, but it's, but we're just, I don't know, man. Um, we're good at it cause we like it. Yeah. Well, like. And so again, I think I, I kind of bringing that back to this idea of like, whether it's making the jump into changing something, right. Um, it is that willingness to just be like, Hey, I, I'm just going to see what happens. And so we've talked a lot about like recalibrating, like a lot of times I think human beings, um, they, it's really important to us to stay consistent with the identity that we believe we're perceived as. Okay. So like if someone sees us a certain way, we want to make sure that it like we stay looking that way. So like, basically what I'm saying is I think a lot of times we put ourselves in our own box and what happens is we want to make a change or we want to make a shift. But the problem is we think, well, am I going to look like flaky or wishy-washy and are people going to be like, Oh, I thought you were doing this thing. Like I thought you wanted to be, I was talking with a friend like who was deciding whether to become a lawyer or not. And he was like, I've just said it for so long that this is what I was going to do. And I'm, I'm terrified that maybe I'll let some people down. And the biggest people were like his parents that he was nervous about. And when he finally talked to them, they were like, dude, you can do whatever you want. Like, we don't care. Like, we're just going to root you on either way. Like, we know you're yeah. going to figure it out. Like, and so a lot of times it's like the courage that we can't find is self-induced. And that's the conversation that you and I have both had with people about like, man, the thing you did, I just can't, I can't find that courage. What do you think? Um, and we talked about this yesterday, but like, I don't even know if I can, like people are like the secret sauce is if you can explain how you got the courage. And I'm like, I, I don't know, you know, <laughs> like it just kind of, it was I'm, there. I'm just not afraid of anything. Uh, I tell people sometimes that I have a very, and that doesn't mean that I didn't get anxious or that I don't have other personal issues that I like have to like be intentional about fixing. But like fear is uh, one of the things that I don't have and call it genetics or something. Uh, I used to kind of joke with people about uh, something dad used to say. And I remember that. It was my answer, and I don't know if it is the reason why, but I remember like if we were kids and you were afraid of something, whether it was something like afraid of the dark or whatever, which usually I think when kids are afraid of the dark, it's just they don't want to go to bed, and that's the like excuse. But um, nonetheless, like if there was a storm or anything, uh, one of the things dad always used to say was like, if I'm afraid, then you can be afraid. And then I would say, well, I never saw my dad afraid. So and now as a grown up, I realize that, there probably were times that he was afraid, but maybe he just like concealed it or didn't show it. Um, cause I know he has his own, just like everybody has their own issues and stuff too. But nonetheless, the lesson was like, Oh, okay. If dad's not afraid, I don't need to be afraid. And I'm looking at him and he's not afraid. So I'm not afraid either. And maybe just that conditioning, uh, caused it that mixed with genetics or also mixed with life experience. I mean, I was allowed to wreck my bicycle or go fishing on John boats or, you know, and then from there, I don't know, maybe people wouldn't get in a helicopter and dangle on a cable below it. But to me, I was just like, this is cool. Um, so I think that that is like what you just said, like even the upbringing. So like genetics connected with upbringing, like nature versus nurture, whatever. We had a lot of freedom and you might have paved the way for that. Um, but I really had a lot of freedom. 
And as a kid, um, I really didn't have any rules. I eventually didn't even have a curfew, like nothing. But I also was like, for some reason, really early on, I was able to see the connection between uh, cause and effect. So I was like, I like this. I like this type of life that I get to live. And it could be taken away. So like, I want to stay within the like, almost self-set boundaries that I like recognize, but also was willing to do just like you said, I did a lot of stuff, fishing, golf ball hunting, like crazy things, you know, like yeah. um, that just allowed us to kind of build up our risk tolerance. And I think that's a really good point. Like it's not even necessarily like fear calls for two options, like, you know, cowardice or courage. So like, which would you rather lean into? And I think that Jordan Peterson talks about it really well. Like you want to make your kids strong, not safe. And yeah. I think, there were still a lot of things and mom, like mom was always terrified I was going to get kidnapped. So she like built that in me. So I always had a fear of like adults uh, for a little bit, but like other than that, it was for the most part, I feel like they gave us the room to get stronger whether on accident or on purpose. Like, yeah, um, I agree. And so, and and one of the things I always say is no rules, consequences for everything. And so I kind of like, and they're good. Like basically that means like all your decisions have an outcome. So there's no rules really all any rules are made up um, to begin with, like a, like a stop sign, just some guy like made that up, you know, there's not a rule. You can just ignore it, but there's consequences for everything you might get in a car accident if you run it. Right. Um, and somebody could get hurt, but, and so your life is kind of like that too. Like, you know, and then another thing I've always said is, uh, there's a difference in good and nice. And like, I'm a good guy, but I'm not, I don't care about being a nice guy. Generally by being good, you are nice. But what I mean by that is like, you know, you can stand firm in your beliefs and you can, you know, have your personality. And if people are like, well, you're not very nice, but are you good? Like, you know what I mean? I don't know if that makes any sense. No, I think that's really good. Um, so kind of going back to Jordan Peterson, cause we've both read his books. Like he talks yeah. about the, um, weak men, are not safe. Uh, some it's the like dangerous men who have it under voluntary control are good. Right. Like, and he says it way cooler. Like, I don't know, but like, basically you need to see what you're capable of. And I think that's something that the military kind of really helps build in a lot of people. Um, but like recognizing that like the goal isn't like you just said necessarily just to be nice. It's, it's to be good. Um, and yeah. so, I think, and again, for me, like our, my dad was a pastor and we were, grew up in the church. And so I've been in the church and sometimes that is something that I think a lot of people get frustrated by with the church. It's like, Hey, everything seems perfect, but, but it's not. And so it's this facade yeah. of like niceness instead of being like, no, no, let's actually figure out what like the heart of an issue is and, you know, get to it. But, um, yeah, so that's I, I like that, and I think at the end of the day, for me, when it came down to actually figuring out like having the courage to do something, I kind of would play worst case scenario, and and it's, this isn't always helpful for everybody, and everyone's circumstances are different. But I was like, I live in a country where the worst case scenario is I file bankruptcy and restart, because at the yeah. end of the day, it's really about like 
my financial security, right? Like that's kind of the biggest thing I would say that keeps people from anything. Cause it's like, well, I've got this stable job. I get a paycheck every two weeks and not having that for the last six months. Like, unless I go out and earn it, it has been like a new thing to learn. Like it's like, Oh, like, and it's a new stress to build. Like, um, I would say that there's been seasons where I feel like I'm constantly benching like 98% of my max, but it never goes away. Like, that's just like the emotion that I felt. Um, but anyway, going back to like, dude, like life is, is really good. And, and again, everyone's circumstance is different, but like, and it's not even to get to that point. And for me, I kind of set up milestones, like hmm. it's six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months. Like I'm going to see what I can do in 24 months. And at that 24 month mark, which I'm now six months into, like, I'm going to be like, okay, let me reevaluate. Maybe I am someone that would do better just in the job, or maybe I've figured out this entrepreneurial thing a little bit. And I think that that, yeah, it takes some risk and stuff, but also knowing yourself a little bit, like what you're capable of and hearing past voices. Like, um, you know, like you have to pause long enough to think like, what are people telling you that you're good at people that you trust? Like, and what do other people see in you? Cause sometimes you can't see in yourself, like what, you're good at, you know? And so listening to those positive voices that aren't just fluff, like, I mean, anyone can hear positive things from their mom, like if they have a loving mom, but like, what is the someone from the outside who is like, yeah, you are good at that. Yeah. But anyway, so I just think when it comes down to a lot of people, and I've even heard it said, like, man, you're doing it at the right time because there is, like, you as you go on, you have job. more respect. Yeah, like, you can always get another job, but. Uh, you know, anyway. it's funny. It's funny how structured my decision making is because it seems like chaos. But then as we talk, I'm reminded by all these things that, like, sayings I have or rules that I have that, like, I built for myself. Um, you know, I talked about the other one a minute ago and then I, while you were talking there, um, the one thing that popped in my head, uh, was I used to just have these three rules and everything was made on these three rules. And, uh, it's funny cause I actually heard Ch Chad Ochocinco, uh, say something about it on his, I am athlete podcast the other day. Um, so we'll touch on that, but basically my rules were be the best at what you could do. And that nobody can say anything to you. Um, and then my second rule was, if you don't know what you're doing, just act like you do and no one will question you. And then the third rule was kind of, this is what reminded me, the third rule was, what's the worst that could happen? And that was it. I made every decision on those rules. Um, they're not necessarily just decisions, but, you know, rule three helped with decision making. The other two rules helped me get positions and advance in careers and be good. And, and that's what Chad Ochocinco was talking about that the other day. Um, and for those of people who don't know, you can just get off the podcast and not listen anymore. If you don't know who Ochocinco is, but, um, he, uh, <laughs> just kidding, but no, uh, he was talking about his time in the NFL and he is one of those guys that never really conformed. He never lost his person or his personality. Um, and like he, they were talking about how corporate behind the scenes the NFL is. And a lot of guys didn't realize that. And what, what he says is if you like, if you want to step into that world, but you don't want to lose yourself, you just have to be 
better than everybody else. And so that was like his drive. And, and I kind of take that even in my real estate industry, like I do it differently than other people. I look differently than other people. Not like I looked like, for example, there was like a picture of us the other day or when my team gets photos, like I, we're just our headshot. People are like, where's your headshot? And I'm like, here it is. But you know what? Like my shirt's a little unbuttoned and my chest tattoo is out and stuff and it's me and I don't care. Um, and I've seen I've tried to do it the way where and then you're on this wall of people with like suits and ties and you're like, that's not me. I just blend it in. That's not me. And but in order for me to have the look that I want to have, in order for me to act the way that I act, I have to be the best. And so it motivates me um, even more like I want to just you know, where, and I, I'm not saying that I wear very nice clothes. Um, they're clothes that some people might be I have the best to. clothes. No one has better clothes than me. Nobody they're has better clothes than me. Nobody has better <laughs> shirts than me. Uh, you know, like, but I, yeah, it's I fine have wool that, cotton. It's good shirts. It's, yeah. <laughs> so I have that stuff not to like make a statement, but because it's what I like, you know what I mean? I like nice things. And so, um, so I have them because I can, um, but I just saying, you know, I don't ever want to blend in and, and I appreciated what he said. And that was kind of my rule, right? Like rule number one. And I realized I was like, that was my rule forever. Just be the best at what you do. And then nobody can say anything to you. And that actually started uh, when I was younger because I went, that's how I was when I was running the pool or when I was a lifeguard, like I got opportunities because I was better than other people at taking the job seriously or at serving people's needs or cleaning the bathrooms. I did it better to everything I did. I was like, I'm going to clean this bathroom better than anybody else. Like, and I just took that as like a pride of ownership of things that I did. And, um, it opened a lot of doors for me. So I realized that what I also realized is that just as being a human, if I overslept and missed a whole day of work, I didn't get in trouble either. And that wasn't because, obviously those were uh, anomalies. Like I didn't miss work often. It wasn't a habit. I for sure would have lost a job. But my point was that I was so good all the time, the 99% of the time that when I hit that like 1% of like, oh crap, I like, I missed work or something. You know what I mean? It was just kind of like, all right, well, we'll see you tomorrow, you know, and wasn't a big deal. And that's because I was the best, you know? So I yeah, think you so should a couple thoughts on that. At everything you do. Yeah. So first of all, Brian Green, I don't know if you've heard of him. He's a really good example of someone like going after their dreams and like not looking a certain kind of way. Like he's just a super normal looking like intellectual guy. Okay. And he wrote the 48 rules of power that came out in 1998, but he's written a ton of other books. And um, his thing is like one that the downfall of human beings, especially in our comfortable society is like, we want to do everything to make life like easier, like more comfortable. And so like everyone's upset and they get full of anxiety and stress because their life isn't moving the direction that they want, but it's because they're not willing to like step into the pain. And I've kind of really been on this whole like pain kick lately because on the one hand, like David Goggins and some other guys like that talk about pain. And I think it's easy for people to lose track of their ultimate goal, which is Hey, you don't want to put yourself in pain for the sake of pain. Like that's not it. It's about the growth 
that comes out on the other side. So like, I think one of the hard parts of why people don't shoot for excellence is because it's painful. And so like, it's harder to scrub a little bit more on the toilets and look at where you could clean and it takes a little bit more time and you know, all those things. And so um, I think that that's one thing that's tough, but I love how Horace Schultz used to say it, the guy who started Ritz Carlton. And he said one thing that transformed his life was when he was training to be a, uh, oh shoot, what's it called? It's, it's basically just like someone who runs a hotel. Um, but like, you know, in other, we, the United States, I think hasn't had as much like in other countries, it would be like really like, like an honorable position to be like a butler or like a, like server at a high end restaurant or something like that. And I think that that got lost over here in our culture. I don't know why, but it, I just feel like it kind of did. And so for him, it was a big deal to be what he wanted to be. And the guy that was training him said, I don't really, I don't really care what you end up doing, but I want you to promise me this, that when you go to work, you go to work to create excellence because you are a human being. Chairs and cars, they work. Their default setting is you sit on it, it works for you. A vehicle, you turn it on, you press the gas, it works. But you're so much more than that. So why wouldn't you aim at a much higher level of how you can make your work fulfilling and meaningful? And uh, I know it's tough if you're in a spot where like you, you don't um, love what you're doing, but I think that that's always can prepare you for the next thing too. And then the third thing that I thought of your second part that was like, if you don't know what you're doing, just uh, pretend that you do. I saw this yeah. hilarious TikTok where these guys were like, hey guys, we're going to try a theory that if you carry a ladder around, you can get in literally anywhere. Yes, and so yes. two of their did you see that? No, <laughs> two of their but friends, yes, this is an they, exact. They, carried a ladder. they were getting into everything, like PGA tournaments, into museums. Like they just walk in, they're like, oh, hey guys. like, And they just let them straight through yes. with the okay. ladder. Like, And it doesn't even have to be a ladder. You just grab a piece of paper. Okay. Randy, this is a lesson I learned from Randy Wiles. A long time ago, we went to this big giant conference, and this is a very similar thing, man. Um, he and th this is where I developed this rule. We went to this big conference. It was in a huge football stadium, so there's like a line forever to get into the stadium. You know, the parking lots a mess. And and Randy, like he was crazy. You thought he was gonna like there's a big line of cars waiting to go and it was like a one lane like maybe like a two lane road but obviously leaving the stadium no one's there and we were in like a white van and randy's like all right so he just got in the oncoming lane and went like 60 miles per hour past everybody in this van which was wild to begin with but nobody stopped you because they're like oh it's a van full of dudes just heading you know they must have work to do a i'm guessing then once we got there we didn't park in the normal lot he just pulled into like like the service lot he's like hold on I'll be right back he disappears. No one knows where he goes. We're all just kind of lost. He comes back with a box of like reflective, like construction vests. He's like, here, put these on. <laughs> Everybody puts them on. And then guess what we did? Exactly what you said. Just walked into like the back door of the stadium. Nobody checked an ID. Nobody questioned anything. It's just like you were there to work the conference and walked in and like right up front, ditched the vest. There you are. You're there. And that was a they just act like, and that's where that rule came from. Just act like you know what you're doing, and like Dude, no one Randy question. was so that way too. That's hilarious. That was, that's how Randy did everything. It was crazy. Man, so, those are good. Those are good rules. And I think just yeah. you know when you talk about life being in the meantime, and and that is where 
like even you remind me like as I'm like man like how do I break into this or do that and it's like this is this is the pain this is the place where like you truly are walking out like these are the times you're going to talk about that people want to know like well how did you get there how'd you get there and it's like I yeah. just kept going you know I just kept trying like right so right so cool man well good conversation it was kind of all over the place um you know and and, and we have a dream to be success and a lot of people do they say they anybody who's successful anybody who we listen to or see there's one like resounding like statement it's like everybody's like oh overnight success but no but nobody really is an overnight success um because what people don't see is the journey there um you know and the interesting thing about our world is we kind of have i think like the term overnight success within a couple within a generation or two may disappear completely because with social media and with like things like this like this podcast like there is documented like the journey is more documented i think now yes where it didn't used to be yeah and i would say that's even my biggest desire is to explain and you and i have said like how do i help people talk like how do i talk to people about like hey if i'm posting something or i'm sharing something or like i mean i want you to understand that this is why in the meantime matters to me so much because i'm trying to do that document the journey show you how it's going what i'm learning at the moment like you know like it never because what what do we get so worn out by all the like gurus that are literally like i figured it out i'm perfect and never get stressed everything like you're, and you're just like well that, yeah i'm here in my garage my ferraris are cool but look at these books i read a thousand pages a day you know and it's like <laughs> Man, like I can barely get through 10 pages a day, but I do read a lot. And so, you know, it adds up. So anyway, yeah, that's kind of the important part. I think this was good. You know, like, I mean, you're my brother. So obviously we were going to kind of be all over the place anyway. And I think it touches on a lot of the the ways that we tick and we think and where we're hoping to go. So here's their final question. You're in the meantime, what is, what would you say for the, for 2022, what is and think about my components that I talk about like what is your in the meantime this year like what's kind of something that you're like because it's not wrong for us to work towards a point b but it's recognizing like hey this is where I'm at on the way Mm. um man just we're I mean what's in our meantime like what are we trying to achieve this year really um the long term is uh, like that generational wealth and retirement plan and everything. And part of that is being in real estate is uh, investment properties, like buying more properties. Um, so we're looking at those in the short term. I really need a boat. And so <laughs> I'm going to commit. I could go get a boat today. I could go out there and get one. And I want to, um, but I'm kind of committed to locking down that long term goal first getting that investment property and then getting that boat. And like, I think that, um, so that's it. I would say from the outside looking in, another thing for you is, and we didn't even talk on this, but you were in the hospital. When were you in the hospital? Oh yeah. So in October, I got sick. And so you got real sick because you were eating whatever you want, drinking whatever you want. And like, it was just, it was compounding, just like health compounds, you know, negative things compound and your, your intestines literally went to sleep. And shut that's kind of what the doctors told. Yeah. So like you had to go there and it's hilarious. Cause like, I remember 
like mom was like, Hey, Nate's really not well. Like he's in the hospital. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I hope he does better. You know, like, <laughs> like we're just so like, unless you call me and tell me to come, I'm like, I'm just not going to freak yeah. out about it. And that's kind of one rule mom and dad always had was like, Hey, no news is good news. So like, there's no reason to stress out about something until someone indicates that you need to. We are never like, caught off guard. I've never caught off guard. Um, I'm never surprised. I'm never taken aback. And that is a great skill to have and a great trait to have. Um, unfortunately, the side effect is I'm never really surprised or I'm never really like overly uh, overexcited. Like, wow, I cannot believe this. I'm always just like, yeah, what did you expect <laughs> yeah. to happen? Like I got sick and went to the hospital and got IVs and really realized how terrible the food and medical industry are. And that's a gateway to the next time we talk, but, and how, like, because my entire intestine shut down and I can't have food for five days and lived off of like five bag IVs. And then the first food they wanted me to eat was like sugar, jello and popsicles. And you're like, you're kidding me, right? Like you can't, I, I literally just got the best detox ever. Like that's how I viewed it. I was like, I just literally got detox better than you could have ever been because my whole entire body shut down and just emptied out. And I lived off of water. And the first thing you want me to put in my body is Jello. Like it's just, yeah. a, it's insanity. So I think uh, that's really good. Needless to say, I threw that Jello in the trash and told him I kept it down fine. Didn't have a problem eating it. You threw um, it against the wall like an eighty-year-old veteran. Like just threw it against no. <laughs> Change my bedpan. Uh, 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 all right. Well, we better yeah, get rolling. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. go. All right. Bye. <laughs> Well, hey, thanks so much for jumping on here with us. I hope there was maybe some insight, especially if you know me well and you wanted to know a little bit more about my brother, then there you go. There you have it. And uh, I would love if you continue to share this podcast with people that you know, people around you. And uh, it's just a great way for people to hear different takes on how we can build a healthier whole life in the meantime. So with that being said, God is rooting for you. And so am I. I hope you have a great rest of your week.